and I must keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. I'm Jim. I'm going to be joined by Clay in a little bit. We're going to go through a bunch of books. Me and Clay, that is. And also, me, myself, and I, as I always say, just like De La Soul. But before we do that, let me tell you that you can go over to Twitter and follow us at WS Marvel Comics. Then you can also go over to our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. Then, finally, you can go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience to help support us for all the things we do on this feed, but get a ton more. And part of the ton more is our weekly Marvel Comics Spotlight, a show that comes out each week and features two books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, Beep Boop. And this week, they pick a pretty big number one. And a pretty big number two kind of sounds like me on the weekend. Hey, hey, hey. And those books are the United States of Captain America number two. That's the big number two, right? And then you have Amazing Fantasy number one. Right? Number one. Hey, that's how things work around here. Me and Clay talked about Amazing Fantasy number one. And then I went through the United States of Captain America number two by myself. And if you aren't aware, I did like the first issue of the United States of Captain America. It's weird. I don't like the name of it. It, it doesn't roll off the tongue like it should, but that's that's that. That's just me. Maybe I just have a big tongue, swollen tongue or something. I don't know. But it just it never rolls off right. I always forget exactly what it's called, but that's what it's called, and that's what we are talking about on our spotlight. And as we have been doing, just a reminder, the badasses, the badasses of the Get Fresh crew, people, they're the ones who pick the books. So you can't blame me. Don't send me a mail and say, oh, my God, Jim, that, you know, that amazing fantasy. Why wasn't that on that? Hey, it's the badasses. That's all I say. The badasses. Every badass thinks that they are getting the benefit where they get to pick the books. And what they really are doing is giving me the benefit of blaming them. When people complain, that's I like to pass the buck and throw them right under that bus. I'll do it every time. But what I like to do is salute them as well, though. Salute them for taking that bullet for me. And that is what we like to call the badass roll call. We're going to give them a little badass roll call here, a little shout out so you know the names, not the numbers or anything. And then most of these people give us these weird names anyway. So are we really learning anything? Well, we'll see. We got Josh Murray from Not a Robot Podcast, Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, but Forrest Pauly, Cam, Joseph Watch, Sick Matt Razor, who's on the Star Wars shows with me. D-Man 3000, all-new Dave, Lady Abby, Red, Matches Balone, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Joey Barcasco, Stephen Baum, Tony Walton, Jason Colby, Sue 42 to you and me, Michael G, Ken Halleck, Comic Boom Rocky, go over to the YouTubes and check out Comic Boom Rocky's channel, Seller Dweller, Mark Jager, Aldrin Stoja, Nick Adams, Bill Beer from the Bat Pod. He said that me and Eric could come on anytime we want. Eric's lazy, I told him, and I'll stick by that. Ruben, 
Carlos, Lone Wolf Marv, Luke, Hollywood the Hollywood Kid, Simon, Luis, Manship, I haven't heard from Manship in a little, Andrew and Belfast, just back from holiday, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Dalton, Edom, my man Pete from NYC, Sailor Moon, Mark, my man Rob Lewis, Brandy Murray, and Double A Ron. Double A Ron, where's Double A Ron? He's in Minnesota. Also, a shout out to the all-time great Reginald, Reginald Drinkwater, Reggie, thinking about you. And yeah, that is who, or those are the people you can blame. You don't blame me. Blame all of them all at once and just say they are the baddest as they get fresh crew. Boop, boop. And we're going to go from here. So people are just turning like, what does he keep yelling? Why does he keep beep booping? Well, you're just going to have to wait and see. Then that's the things you learn from this podcast. You learn maybe some books that are good, bad, and different, but you learn that I just yell out stuff randomly. Uh, because I'm goofy. That's what you're really going to learn. And that's that's a lesson that everybody should learn now and again, or at least once in their life. So with all of that, that's what I tell my kids. I have five kids. I always say that because I do feel like I should get praise for dealing with five boys every single damn day. But that's, that's me. Right? That's me. Here I am in the basement. A lot of black mold. There was a tornado uh, today in Quakertown where I end up living. And a lot of electricity kept going in and out it was annoying because it didn't completely go out but it would flicker and it would knock out the router it would knock out our internet in like every two seconds it was real real annoying but i made sure not to take a shower because when i was little my grandmother once said don't take a shower when it is lightning and thunder tornado she said i stopped listening when she said don't take a shower unfortunately that's affected me pretty poorly throughout my whole life especially with the ladies but you know not a ladies, man. Uh, maybe I would be if I, you know, might take a shower now and again. You know, once a month, whether I need it or not. That's how I go. But with all of that, that's <laughs> all said and done and getting goofy already. Uh, I'm warning you right now. It's already late right now. So I'm going to go to me and Clay talking. And we did that earlier in the week. So that'll be, you know, standard deal. But when then I come back, holy moly, all bets are off. It's going to be in the a.m., uh, you know, step into the AM, which I used to like was a third bass song back in the day, if you know what I'm talking about, right? And I'll be stepping into the AM and it's going to be trouble. So we'll go off now to me and Clay, and then I'll be back to finish up the show with a couple books. All right, and I am here with Clay. How are you doing, Clay? I am doing excellent. Now that I have a few sips of my energy drink, I am yes. ready to go. What what is it? It's the uh, the high it's, throttle. It's full say? full throttle <laughs> energy drink. I guess the full original makes, citrus. Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. High throttle. That doesn't make much sense. <laughs> I uh, personally today, because I am very very tired today for some reason, mainly because I I don't know I didn't get a lot of sleep or whatnot. But I've been uh, drinking still what I have been, the Death Wish coffee, and I made it even a little stronger, and I'm still tired. This is the thing. My wife was yelling at me because I was drinking this coffee, and like, how many, does it say just off the bat how many milligrams of caffeine are in the full throttle right there? Let's see here. Um, Milligrams of what? Of caffeine. Does it mention the caffeine Caffeine. intake on? Let's see here. I do not see it. Oh, it says right here, uh, 160 milligrams. Okay, 160 milligrams. Legitimately, what they claim 
on the Death Wish coffee is one, and I think it's a 12-ounce cup, maybe it's a 16, whatever it may be, has over 570 milligrams of caffeine. Jesus Christ. And I I think I've drank now at least nine of them today. (laughs) And my wife was yelling. My my wife was yelling because we, we had dinner. And after we got done dinner, I was going to read the stuff that we're doing now. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get some more coffee. And she keeps saying, like, you can't drink that close to to bedtime. And I'm like, first off, baby, bedtime is like 10 hours from now. (laughs) I I got a lot of stuff to do. I don't know about you, but it doesn't it doesn't affect me like that. And, And actually, a lot of times and it might be, you know, partly to do with, you know, attention. So I don't know. But I end up getting tired. And now See, I even said to you, I'm the like, exact I'm exhausted. Same way. I'm the exact same way whenever it comes. So I don't know if it's – I feel like it might have something to do with your ADHD. It because might. I keep telling my wife that I have undiagnosed ADHD. I need to go see a doctor. My, my insurance kicks in for my new job in September. I'm going to go see a doctor for it. But there has been times where I'm like – I want to stay up and I drink an energy drink and then I sit down and I immediately fall asleep. Yeah, you fall asleep. I mean, and, and usually a lot of times those are, you know, uh, false. What am I saying? Uh, not real sugar. A lot of times yeah. it is, you know, because you don't want that sugar crash as well. And that's why I, I drink this coffee black to avoid that. Still end up, I just don't get it. Though my wife yells at me because I, I tell her, you know, taking the Adderall and stuff and the medication for what I have, it doesn't end up, it's not like I'm hyped up and feel like, you know, I, I've done lines of coke, even though I wouldn't know what that, that would be like, but I, I can imagine. <laughs> it, it ends up just making me kind of on an even keel and actually gets me more settled down and actually tired sometimes. And she she yells at me and then I say to her, like, that's what happens. Like, that shows you that I need it. I'm not pretending. She, I don't know. She gets all crazed with stuff and yells and screams at me. Uh, what the, the basic deal is, she wants the Adderall. This is what she wants. She's yelling. She thinks that she has, but she has so many other problems. She does not need <laughs> anything to get her hyped up. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, that's when multiple personalities come to visit and they are not nice. And I'm not, it sounds like I'm laughing and making fun of it. I'm not because she has a lot of issues and a lot of issues are pointed directly at me. When, when the crap hits the fan, I'm the one who gets it. I'm in the crosshair. So I try to keep that away though. She does like to drink like real strong coffee. She had probably two sips of this death wish coffee and said, screw that. I'm done. Now, with that, me and my son Logan bought it just because we always wanted to try it. So we ended up buying it at Walmart. And I think, like, you know, a standard little bag. Of, it was like 22 bucks, And we ended up getting it just like, hey, we'll do it. We get it. And we left it in the cart when we went to put the groceries away. We thought we had lost it. We went back hoping somebody had turned it in. Thank God they did because it wasn't cheap. But it's it's heavily caffeinated. It's insane. It really is. And And... I thought it was marketing on it. Pretty much it does have like a skull and crossbones as See, the I, symbol. I Googled it last time we were talking about it. I think I'm going to have to order yeah, at you least have one to can. Give it, a, give it a shot. It's so over the top. And uh, it's strong. It's very caffeinated. And they even have on the bag of the coffee grounds when we're making it pretty much do not drink too much or you'll die. And I, and I looked at it. I'm like. I think that that's just a marketing ploy. And then I'm like, maybe it's not. Maybe it is not. But 
it, it does. Now we're talking. Now I'm getting fired up. Maybe it helped. I was drinking a bunch. I guzzled like half a cup before we just started here. So let's get going. I'm all fired up now. And I wish that I could say I'm fired up about the first book that we're doing. But I think that what we usually end up, and we'll, we'll keep track of the time, usually when we are into The Amazing Spider-Man, we can go about 40 minutes per an issue. Oh, yeah. We enjoy it. We talk about it. We discuss things at the end or whatnot. <sighs> I can't see this lasting us more than a five more minutes. We'll probably talk more about coffee than we will of this. I'm saying that. I know that's not true. We, we have the gift of gab, as they say. But even then, then we're going to go off to Beta Ray Bill. Very quick issue. Then we're going to go to Black Cat. Very quick issue. There's a lot of quick issues that mean you're going to go through. We'll see. What happens, though? But here we are at Amazing Spider-Man number 71, Sinister War Part 1, which is odd because we already got Sinister War number 1. And next week, we're going to get Sinister War number 2. Everything's getting jumbled in. And really, we were worried. Remember the idea that the Sinister War book, in accordance with you know coming out at the same time as this regular Amazing Spider-Man finishing up at 74, what, were we, what are we going to get from both? Are we going to get full... You know, full out issues of big story in both, or is it going to be shuffled to one? Well, in this issue, which is a part one, we really are just getting recap. And and when we get into it, I mean, it's not even just recap from the series. This is recapping all of the little tidbits. And, you know, I'd like to say like Spider-Man fetish stuff that you end up having Nick Spencer want to reference and want to do. But why in this? Why are we? having things where we just go through Mysterio talking about things that have happened in the past when he died and came back from Kindred. I get that that's part of the story, but you need to have set this up and you did already. I mean, that's the weird thing. It's a recap of the series, but also the history of Spider-Man plays out so weird. It it just plays out as pretty much a, a recap issue. And that's not great, but it's written by Nick Spencer, obviously. Federico Vicentini with Federico Sabatini on art. Uh, yeah, the Federico brothers there. You got colors by Alex Sinclair and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. And Norman Osborn had figured out that Kindred is his son, Harry, tricked and imprisoned Kindred in Ravencroft. Or rather, Kindred let Norman do so, only to attack Norman and free himself. But if Kindred is Harry Osborn, who is it in that cell with Peter's friend Carly Cooper? We'd like to know that, right? Mary Jane. Watson is aiming to find Carly, but at the pause of search to attend the premiere of her new movie. Mary Jane hasn't told her boyfriend, Peter, that the director of the movie is Mysterio. She planned to tell Peter after the movie, but they were attacked first by the Savage Six and then Doc Ock's Sinister Five. Doesn't roll off the tongue. Just as things got bad with Spidey Mysterio, joined Doc's group and absconded with Mary Jane. And I don't know, like... I even skipped the first part thinking that, you know, and it does say we first met the mysterious kindred when he almost killed. It it ends up where even this recap page feels weird. It it reads different than than any of the others. And I do think that Nick Spencer is a little busy and he's getting some people to help out and whatnot because it didn't feel like the usual recap page. It seemed very chatty as if you were like sitting in the room talking to somebody instead of just recap. And even then, you kind of get things thrown in here, like, you know, Kindred let Norman capture him and then attack. And it's like, all right, yeah, I guess. But it, it, it just, everything is playing out odd to me. And you go into the issue and you have the big fight with 
Peter fighting, and this is Kindred did seems talking about how he's so excited because this is what when he closes his eyes he dreams of you know the nightmare of Peter and the idea and and I'll give you the other thing it seems like what they're doing now is Kindred full out hey I was here all along and I was causing misery to you even though as we we're reading it. You would just get these little tidbits. Yeah, Peter was having dreams early, but it lasted way too long to get to this part and just say, hey, look at me. I was kindred. I was torturing Peter the whole time. And hey, you know, that's that and get going. There's a lot to cover, a lot to tie up. And I'm really afraid after this issue that things are going to be really forced and forced in a way of, well, you saw this already. Hey, remember this from 10 years ago. Hey, remember this to all play into this. Hey, this was a plan. All along, it reminds me a lot of, you know, Bane in Tom King's run of Batman that at the end you just get told, oh, he wasn't behind everything and, and let's go. Um, but my, like I said, my biggest problem is just this feeling of everything here is to just remind you or to throw in some other references from before the run of what's going on to eventually lead to a big confrontation with Kindred by the end. Uh, what do you think? I just like you said, like I almost felt like skipping majority of this book because it was all recap. It was this whole thing about Mysterio telling his life story of how he died and how he came back to life and what that really meant. We've already known all of this for everybody who has actually been staying on the book. Again, I did have my little time of taking a break from this book, but I have since caught up. This Again, we always have this problem with Nick Spencer. We're like, yeah, he's such a great writer. We really love the way he's writing Spider-Man. And then he has these hiccup issues where it's just like, this doesn't feel like Spencer at his top. You know, this isn't really him. And we said before we started recording that this definitely feels like they cut him at the knees and said, hey, you're taking way too long. We have to cut you short. And the difference between... And I know this is going to be a lot of shade. I liked his run. I know you didn't. This feels completely different from how they are cutting him at the knees for what DC did with Tom King. The way DC cut Tom King at the knees, it felt like it ended right then and there. Here, at least, it feels like he's wrapping things up. Now, there was one surprise that I'm I'm genuinely surprised that I remembered, but uh, Men- Mendel Strom, he was from the first trade of this book, from the very first trade. Within the first six issues, we saw him get attacked by Kindred. That was like right after the whole thing with Peter splitting himself yeah, up. Yeah, with between. the clone sort of yeah. thing, that clone play. Yeah, the very first yeah. trade, like you said. Yep. And... Yeah, here and he is. He's, <laughs> he's brought into the story, and I'm like, holy crap. And I, I remember saying last time, or last, uh, last issue we were talking about this, it's very convenient that he's able to use these characters from the very beginning. He didn't, you know, plan it all along. But it's nice to see, like, hey, he's, he's, he's drawing from this, he's drawing from that. I am glad that in the recap page, they kind of hint at the fact that, like, Maybe the Harry Osborne that is in this cell with Car. Uh, oh shoot, what's her with name? Carly. Almost- Carly. Carly. Cooper. Okay, yep. yeah. That it may not really be him, because that is one question we have had since 
we saw him in that cell. We're like, that doesn't make any sense. We need answers. And for the fact that they're hinting at, hey, you're definitely going to get the answer to that. I'm at least happy with that. I'm saying full out clone. That's what I'm saying now. I mean, even with that, because Harry's there thinking of memories that he had, but he's confused. But then at the same time, you get Kindred going through his deal of what he liked. And, hey, I'm Harry, and I like to come back. And my big thing in this fully is I think that if this wouldn't have been ended at 74, I do believe now. It makes sense, I guess, like the sinister war going on and you do have, you know, you do have Mysterio involved, but this really feels like the idea because remember, like you said, we've been reading all this. I also read The Amazing Mary Jane, which, you know, I I should get an award for pretty much because that was crazy, (laughs) that book. But it did set up a bunch. And we said that Nick Spencer did use the Mysterio, the movie. He brought this in. I really think that. By the end of this, he wants to get Mysterio back to Mysterio, which he kind of does in this issue almost. But that is what felt so rushed. The idea like maybe he was going to do like a little arc with Mysterio at some point so that you don't have this Mysterio who wants to be respected and did the movie with Mary Jane. and all what's pe- Because all of a sudden that's just like, boom, hey, Mary Jane, I'm going to take you back here. Do you recognize this place? This is where you went when you ended up. When Gwen Stacy died, all this, and by the way, I, I, everybody goes back to being what they are. I was dead. It was hell. But now I kind of want to go back to – and it just – everything seems to be, again, like the, your drink the full last, throttle. The, the last three pages went by so fast. And it's this explanation of like the, the therapist that she had was actually him. It was actually him. And everything is just boom, boom, boom. And it's too quick. It's too much information. It's too much like out of nowhere to just say, hey, I did all this. Boom. Now the big scene's approaching. I have to. And she even says, listen, that's not you anymore, Quentin. You've changed. That's not who you are. And he goes, no, no, no. We all have our parts to play. And my big scene is approaching. And then, boom, he disappears in the smoke, the green smoke. And then all of a sudden, Kindred shows up to get married. I'm like, this is just way too quick. It, it's way, yeah. And then at one point we even said you get three editor's notes of back things in one page. All, you know, Mysterio, I died. I went this. I did that. I'm like, why is this an issue that I guess you just want to get that over with? You don't have any more time to waste. And that's the problem. We have said with a bunch of writers, even not even just at Marvel, but you can't assume that you're writing – a hundred issues you can't i mean some don't even get 10 and then you're left with a half story nick spencer has had plenty of time and he has dawdled a lot of it where if this is the big story this is the big finale you can't have it be rushed and it's almost like you know marvel's saying listen we have to end they really want to get that new deal at 75 so yeah they're giving them another series pretty much the sinister war numbered deals just doesn't feel like things have enough room now that they they're going to be able to tie up in any sort of way and at the end i'm really afraid that kindred it's just going to be hey look it was me it's still pushing one more day stuff and where you do have even you know mysterio who remember with kindred he wanted his memories back he wanted to get things and even like a doc ock did as well and he keeps saying to mary jane just think harder you'll remember this think harder hey i'll tell you and it just feels like at the end, well, we kind of know that there's something big going to happen with Peter with what is announced for the run. 
coming after, but I, I just don't get why. Well, I get, I, it's weird. I get why it's rushed because now he has to end it, but it's a shame, especially for people like we have read every issue and we have been sticking with it. And I think that we're one of the more positive, you know, two with Nick Spencer. And it's just kind of falling. It's making us look like fools at parts by the end because it's all falling apart. Even, you know, the dialogue and all that stuff in this issue just throws things at you. It just throws stuff, recap, and then just, oh, by the way. I mean, out of nowhere, when you have Mysterio, like you said, those last couple of pages, like, yeah, do you remember this place? Oh, this is where I came for, you know, to talk to the doctor when I was having problems after Gwen. And even after Harry got all these things, yep, that was me. I'm like, okay, like, right? And then you have Kindred who's just hanging like, hey, I'd just like to come back to this place here because that's where I had the feeling of holding my friend's hand. And then all of a sudden he's got Mary Jane there by the end. And I it just, the art's still pretty good. The art's really good. But um, overall, I, I just, I read this and just shook my head and thought, all right, I hope that we don't just rush everything like this to just, Get everything that Nick Spencer wanted to do. Say he thought he was going to go to 100. Are we going to throw 25 issues of things into these next four issues? Next three issues now. Yeah. That's too much stuff. So with that, uh, yeah, I'm at like a 6.5. I, I really wanted to get you know these last bunch of issues. I wanted them to hit. I wanted to see, oh, my God, this Kindred thing is still going to be big. It's still going to be huge, and we're going to be so excited. About what it means and whatnot. Now I'm very, very worried. Very worried that it's just going to end to end, and it's going to be disappointing. Uh, what do you think? So I was going to give it a seven. I was going to while I was reading this, I'm like, this is nothing. This is at tops a seven. Then at one point, you see Carly and freaking Harry. Or uh, Harry, or you're no, right, Harry. Yeah, yeah. Harry. Yeah, it's Harry. They're talking inside the cell. And they're like, no, we have to, you know, there's people waiting for you at your house. You know, you have a life worth living. What are you going to do? And they're like, oh, by the way, we can do something. The door's open. What? Like, the door just, like, it just so happened to be open the entire time they were sitting in yeah, there. Yeah, it, it was open. I, and the weird thing is, I think Kindred said something, but I thought that that was back with Norman and the idea of, you know, hey, you're not. A prisoner here you can leave whenever you want in the way of you know crap talking and now it just is like just there and it it seems again like we don't have any time to waste i was gonna say it felt like hey there has to be a very convenient way for us to move the story along oh by the way he forgot to lock this yeah and and yeah even with that like carly is there because remember carly ended up doing the autopsy you know, after the hunted and all that, and then the Sin Eater stuff. And she ended up doing that autopsy and saw, oh, my God, that's Harry Skelton yeah. when you had up Kindred going. So then he captures Carly. We end up with, like, Overdrive. He's nowhere to be found anymore. He was looking. He calls Mary Jane. Mary Jane's just randomly, maybe, like, it even says in the recap, she's looking for, I don't see her looking for anybody. She's just there talking with Mysterio. Like, everything is just thrown at you. And things now have to progress in their own weird way to go because, like I said, Mary Jane's doing her thing now. She's not looking for Carly. Carly, with that whole reveal of, oh, my God, it was, you know, Harry's skeleton. That doesn't even mean anything anymore because now we have a bunch of Harry's. And so I don't know. I'm telling you, it just 
It's, it's irritating. It's really irritating because, again, I, I just don't want us to end up where people are like, see, we told you it's going to suck. And it's like, because I do think that it's not fully Nick Spencer's fault. He's trying to get things out there, but it's, it's, it's worrying me. <laughs> it really is. Uh, anything else? No, that's about um, it. I'm freaking worried now. That, that, again, <laughs> remember, I haven't felt this dumb since we ended up at the end. We're like, oh, was that gosh. Harry or Norman? <laughs> remember all that? But what does it matter anymore? I know that Wolf Cypher was like, you guys are dummies, is what he said. I, I had to admit that he was right. But we were keeping all bets on, right? We, we were afraid that if we said something, we were, and then we said the wrong thing. Uh, it, we just we're past that point though at least at least we kind of know what's going i don't know i have no idea what what is happening and i really really wish that we could have a better ending i mean here here's a tip here's a tip for the big two especially if you are going to cancel something you know do it at a point where you give the writer more of a chance to get things. Don't just hem and haw, because I'm sure there was talk. If if he, in fact, got fired off the book because he was dilly-dallying. He's been dilly-dallying since issue 19. You know, instead of that, get him to not dilly-dally. You know, talk to him and get him to get some things going and whatnot. And then we get, I hate not having a full story. And again, I mentioned Tom King earlier, and I was not one of his biggest fans, especially in the Batman stuff. But again, if you were, it sucks because you end up, you know, wanting the story and stuff. But like you said, that seemed a little different and better. But we'll go to the next book, which is the end of a miniseries. And it's sad because we really liked it. And I I wish that we'd get more with that. I'm going to get upset again because this this was not a great ending for all the things that this set up in Beta Ray Bill. And it's Beta Ray Bill 5. I still love that this deal and i will you know as we go on like even like a cosmic ghost rider when we first started fresh start fresh start uh i will recommend this well i actually recommended it to like three people today even after reading this last final issue that it, it is a bit of a downer to me but i'm almost hoping that it was because i'm guess like not guessing but hoping that daniel warren johnson's gonna have another Beta Ray Bill book where he goes off I I really do hope so Yeah, It ends up at the end where everything And it's not even just the idea that we were guessing At things and doing that right That It it is fun when you guess things and they're right But the idea that We were guessing some things that would Play out and Big things that weren't even referenced In this ending one of the bigger Things was Scuttlebutt You know making that axe Making the axe for Bill that was What we thought was going to be the the acts of love when he goes and instead of using twilight the sword he ends up using the axe to show that he cares for it. but that's not even reference it's not even reference and one of the other big things is us loving scuttlebutt wanting her to remain as this you know robot ship in a you know android type form but that the guards of Moselheim and all that saying you can't leave here changed if we see that you changed in a dark or whatever way we will end up killing you when you leave that was set up as a big thing not even referenced because they get another way out and i wish that it was at least referenced but it's beta ray bill number five it's argent star finale uh it is written by and art by daniel warren johnson still love the art i I really really love and i've completely become a fanboy of daniel warren johnson from this so you you got me with that uh and you even 
you know, turned me on to a couple of his other books and stuff like that, which is really cool. Mike Spicer on colors and VCs Joe Sabino with Daniel Warren Johnson on lettering. Again, remember when we were discussing what that meant <laughs> at one point. Uh, to help protect his people, the Corbinites from Sotur, the fire god, Beta Ray Bill was transformed into a powerful horse-like cyborg. When he first encountered Thor, Bill discovered that he was able to lift Molnir, earning him the respect of all Father Odin, who made Bill his own hammer, Stormbreaker. Odin's enchantment let Bill revert to his humanoid form whenever he struck the hammer on the ground. Again, if you're a Thor fan, very much like a Donald Blake sort of situation, but of one person. Thor has since become the all-father of Asgard, and recently during a disagreement with Bill, Thor shattered Stormbreaker, like a jerk. Frustrated and now being unable to change back to his humanoid form, remember though why, I mean, a little wink-wink of why he's frustrated. Bill left Asgard in search of a new enchanted weapon, with Scourge, the Executioner, teleporting Pip, the Troll, and Bill's sentient ship, Scuttlebutt, who has mysteriously developed the humanoid form, joining him on a quest. Together, they have journeyed to the fiery realm of Moslheim so that Bill can lay claim to the enchanted sword Twilight, but to do so, Bill must defeat its owner, who is Sir Tur. So this is the, you know, pretty much the sword that ended up destroying his planet. Everybody loved with Sir Tur, all that, and kind of that whole roundabout, you know, chasing your tail deal of that's who he became the horse-faced, you know, deal to fight. Sir and then all that wrapping around to get this final thing where he hopes to end up looking like a normal Corbinite. So that goes on. And you do even have that axe at one point, but it's never referenced and kind of just gets knocked away. And there's just a lot of fight in this. There's a lot of trash talk. There's a lot of fight. It looks great. I mean, colorful and just beating the crap out of each other. Uh, even with, you know, Bill kind of playing off the ego of Sir Tur, like, hey, you know, you, you think you're so great, you're so big, why don't we fight like normal people and stuff? And yeah, you end up doing that while you have Sir Tur's like, hey, horse face, get over here, boom, bam, boom, and it, it's really cool. There's a lot of great action, but overall, not a ton of story going on to finish this, but it has led to this. I just, I don't know, the idea of this book has fully been with me and you, and I'm I'm going to speak for you, but I think I speak for you pretty well. The idea of Scourge and Pip and this unlikely group, including Scuttlebutt, who's humanoid form. And in this, you do get the moments, but they're not as personal and they're not as feels as I thought. I really thought, seriously. I thought that I'd be crying by the end of this issue. I thought that this was going to be something like even the idea that Scuttlebutt knew would have to transform back to the ship or, and, you know, know these things and whatnot. But it doesn't play out as good as I was hoping. You do get moments, though, and I'll let you take over because the best is Scourge. And we've loved Scourge this whole time. <gasps> I love I mean, he's, he's, he's great. Best. He's the, the breakout character, right? So Scuttlebutt has this idea. And, you know, we get this one small moment of uh, both Pip and Scourge. They finally get away from the tentacle things that we saw last issue that was, you know, kind of giving them into like this dreamscape, almost like the Black Mercy, like we had said. Um, And Scuttlebutt has this idea of like, hey, the energy that these two are giving off right now in this fight is immense and so we're gonna piggyback off of that energy to create something but scourge i need you 
And he's like, but my wingman, he and needs it's great. me. He keeps saying wingman. It's, just, <laughs> it's the, the thing is, too, it's repeated. But I love every time. Like, I even like at the end where Bill's like, hey, you were my brother. You're like, and you're wingman. Like, that's don't all he forget, wants. He wants so wingman. much, right? He wants so much to be a wingman. So, like, he, he is saying, oh, I, I really need to be there for him. He's like, and Scuttlebutt is like, you will, but you need to trust me. He's like, okay, okay. Now, we do have a little bit of an intense emotional moment with Pip. He does he does go after uh, Surtur with a whole bunch of explosives, and he does get, like, on it, a hole inside of his chest. Uh, Surtur actually punches him right in the freaking chest and leaves a hole in there. He is able to teleport away and, like, do major damage to Surtur. But we do find out that he needs like immense surgery. It all plays out at the end of the story. But uh, eventually, uh, Scuttlebutt is like, okay, Serge, the time is now. Like, like I said, uh, I will just, uh, what did she say? She says, uh, I need your skills. And she has transformed her entire body into this giant cannon. It is a giant, just gun. And I love like where you go through it starts. It is humongous. I mean, I it love is it's, so it's not big. A, it's not a double. Uh, well, it is. It's it's like the from what we have digitally. I don't know how it will be played out in print, but the page is actually sideways. Yeah, they here. go sideways. Yep. And you see how long this gun is, and then it shows this little little bubble of the reaction for Scourge. And he's like in awe. You see the tears he's falling crying. down. And he's what crying. I, you know what I and love the says, most? Too, thank you, Scott. Yeah, he's like, thank you. What I love too is like, this thing is the size of like the Empire State Building. But as it gets further and further, it just does end up being like a rifle that Scourge can just go. And, and you know, it's not like this crazy thing that he's got to pull back on the, the trip. It's just a regular gun. The biggest gun you've ever seen, though. That the way that one man can do it, this is like, this is the best thing. This will get the member. He didn't like Valhalla because they didn't have guns. They only ended up having swords and stuff. And so this is his heaven. I mean, this is the best thing. Him crying. And, and again, if this would be, if this was a movie, this would be the moment that everybody would be cheering when you see that this gun is for him. And he's like, Thank you, Scuttlebutt. He's like biting his lower oh, lip and so everything. Great. It's so it's the good. Best. It's so good. He is so happy. And she and like, says, even Scuttlebutt's like, don't thank me. Just shoot the fire demon. And it's this huge explosion of a blast. Takes out freaking Surtur's like whole freaking right freaking peck. It is, it is monstrous. And this is when, uh, this is when Beta Ray Bill pulls Twilight from the stone and just completely chops off Surtur's yep. head. Chops off his head. And, and, and the art in that is, is awesome. It's, it's so, great. You know what's I, great about it? It's not as, like, you could get really, really gruesome with this. I mean, you really could. You do end up seeing, like, fully that he is decapitated. Surtur's, but it's done in such a great way. It just looks great. And, and, and yeah, and... Again, uh, before we go to what happens then, the, the thing with Pip, Pip does come. And the problem is, really, Pip doesn't really do much. He does distract Surtur, which then allows Beta Ray Bill to kind of, you know, kind of run him through the, but it doesn't really do much, but it, it allows the time for everything to go. But 
Pip is just tossed aside and they're like, oh, Pip. And then you just go back to the stuff. And that's why I didn't get many feels. It's funny. Mm-hmm. The big feels I got was the scourge crying about the gun. <laughs> I mean, that's the huge feels. But even it's weird. Even the idea of when you have Beta Ray Bill grab Twilight and as he does decapitate Sir Tur and defeats him, he does become his normal Corbinite self. And yeah. he's like, and that was for my home. And this is for me. And I, I didn't get many feelings of it. And I actually felt, I, I guess, sad a little more than excited or whatnot, but not even that much. I'm like, okay, let's see what's going on here. Uh, but then we see that Pip is you know, being worked on. He, he's hurt. I mean, you did see Sir Tur kind of, you know, put his hand through his chest and then tossed him into a lake of fire, it seemed. But he seems like even then it's like, oh, he'll be fine. But with this, like the ending... I want to know what's going to happen mainly with Scuttlebutt. I mean, Scuttlebutt, and I could go with the idea, yeah, she transformed everything into this gun. That was the big moment. And now she's going to have to say goodbye to Bill and saying to Bill, like, hey, listen, you got what you wanted. Uh, I'm so happy for you. But, you know, I'm going to miss this. I'm going to be a ship again. You know, we'll stay in touch. You know, we'll be we'll still be together. But you never get that. You don't get any of that. And I thought that. That was like the big thing. You're waiting to see, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Because, again, we saw Scuttlebutt is in love with Bill. But even that gets pushed aside. Even that. Plus, I need a Bill in this form to go back to Sith and say, this ain't what you're getting now, baby, and run off. I wanted him (laughs) to throw it in her face. Like, I did this. Even that, when you have him maybe go back and Sith says, like, Oh my God, you did all that for me? And I need a bill to have that moment. No, I didn't do it for you. I did it for me or I did it for someone else. And you never get it. You never get that because you don't even get the thing I said at the beginning where, and I still like this. I'm yelling because I I really, there were so many things I thought we were going to get. And they have to go back out of Musselheim in that big thing. If anybody changes what's not, you know, you're going to get this, that, and the other thing. But instead, it's just like, oh, we don't have power. Ah, we'll get Valkyries to help us. All right. And they go off, and then that's where you have Scourge. He's got to go back to Valhalla, which I completely forgot. But even then, I don't know why I didn't get any feels from it. I, I just... See, this is where Marvel hurts themselves when having a miniseries and you only have five issues. This is where a sixth issue we would have We could have a really great. good, like ending issue of what happens and how it goes because again pip he's gonna get better scourge goes off but it, it in my mind this is the problem i have with scourge when he goes off and he does hug bill and he says hey you know you're my brother this oh don't forget wingman like that's funny and he's like oh yeah never i won't forget it but he's just going off to valhalla again they already went and got him one time you know what i mean if they really need it if we have which i hope that we have another series, he just has to go and get him again, it seems. I mean, it wasn't that hard. And so with that, you end up having Bill as his Corbinite self, and you have that kind of sad look. And I do like, it is kind of funny where you have Scuttlebutt and Bill waving goodbye to Scourge as he's flying off on a, a Pegasus. Off but the, did it's you so notice, crazy. Did you notice they are at that point, they're out of Muselheim. And Scuttlebutt is still there. Yeah, she's there. So she's going to remain. Maybe she can be separated from the ship. It seems like she will be. I mean, even then, like, 
they're watching a movie, but they're not even like they're just sitting together and you know all this, but there there really wasn't that ending that I really thought we could get from these two you you know it's weird to say that you set up a pretty cool little romance between a ship and and bill and and you won it, and that's the thing too. Where was the tension of scuttlebutt maybe turning back to the ship? That's a feels moment of the idea as they leave, wondering if it will revert, and we didn't get it. And and yeah, that no, was something I was I'd been worried about that since you know issue three. What's going to happen so with when, when the tease was there? Yeah, we we had discussed it that issue, and I do feel like this the series as a whole is not hurt by it. No, no, it's but still really really good. I was a little disappointed that there wasn't really much to the ending. Yes, you 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 get the moment because. You know, they have a small intimate moment where they're looking at Twilight. Uh, uh, Hook is actually playing in the background, um, which I, I do. I do like that small part. I was like, why does that sound so familiar? And then I was like, oh, that's Peter Pan. That's Hook. Yeah, Peter Pan. And then he does talk to Pip. And you do get this moment where he's like, look, you did it. You finally are back to your normal self. Like, how do you feel? Uh, and he says, I couldn't be happier. And then you see the horse face beta ray bill super depressed on the other side. And it's, it's the just opposite like, of what we got before when he was looking at <laughs> I'm like, and, and that's, I mean, it is a crazy ending. Now with that, we do have Scuttlebutt sitting close to bill and puts her hand on his, and then even looks like she puts her head on the shoulder deal. But it, I just, I need, I really had that like idea that we're going to, Oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to, and then you just kind of, like you said, at the one point, you're like, yeah, they're on a muscle line. I mean, it, it, she's not changing back. She's there. And not even like a, what are we going to do with this now? Where are we going? Whatever. And it just kind of ends. And, and my biggest issue that I have with the issue is that I believe that this will be my lowest score on this whole deal. And that stinks for a finale. Like, mm-hmm. you always want to end strong. You want to have the idea that it builds even and whatnot, because we have loved this book. My score is still high, you know, for, I mean, some people wouldn't think it is, but I'm still going to go eight, five, because I still love everything about this whole series. And just having Scourge with that gun, you know, that jumped it up as well. But I really wanted this to be a 10. I mean, everything, you know, you want to be a 10, but you have a couple little tweaks there with giving me that tension with Scuttlebutt and then seeing the reaction, seeing Bill is relieved and really wanted Scuttlebutt to stay this way. Have the idea, you know, Pip somehow playing it off with a little more emotions, things like that. And um, I could have been, you know, a lot higher. I'm still going to go eight five. I could actually go lower and go to an eight, but I'm not because I really love the art. But it is just a fight. You grab even the idea of this whole deal gone. Maybe I should go to an eight now that I'm because he even when he grabs Twilight, like that didn't have the oomph that I thought it would. That's just. Let's end this. Boom. And decapitates him and then turns into, you know, his Corbinite form deal. So with all that, I almost think you have to have something else from here. I need to have Bill also go back and talk to Thor to, and saying, yeah, to don't, Thor or don't destroy even Odin. Go to Odin and say, thank you for pointing us there. It was a bunch of hell that we had to go through. But y- you did good. You know, thank you. Thank you for showing me the way and telling me about this. Sith, like I said, I need him to say, you you hit the road. I like my ship now. Anything like that. Like, 
there's so many things that seem to be left on the table that were personal moments that were the things that propelled this from the beginning of being such a great series. And uh, also, like, remember at the beginning, you had a lot of those, like, weird references where you'd see the cross-section of Scuttlebutt and you'd see the video games and stuff. We kind of got away from that as well, though the art's still incredible. It really is. But uh, what would you give it? I would actually go with an eight. Um, okay, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to have was, to, too. There was, there was a little too much that we wanted from this ending that didn't necessarily happen. Because, yes, you do get a, quote-unquote, satisfied ending for the character. But there was so much more in the actual series that was set up that we never got a conclusion to. So, you know, the, the Lady Sif thing, the very rough conversation that he had with Thor in the very beginning of the series as well. Like you said, uh, Odin, th- this book wouldn't have happened without Odin. And then of course with a uh, scuttlebutt. So I do think there is a large amount of things that could have happened to make this issue a little bit more. So that is what is taking me down as well. And I will say this, we haven't had this much fun on a book since Power Pack. And I will say, I am so thankful that this <laughs> came out Pack. right after Power Pack. <laughs> yes. Hopefully there is another book that comes out relatively soon so we can still ride that wave. Uh, but yeah, I would give this a an eight. Yeah, I almost I'm going to go with an eight. I almost want to message Daniel Warren Johnson to see, because he, he is the type of person, because he is a musician. If you haven't read Murder Falcon, go check it out. Um, but he listens to music while he writes and while he draws. So I'm really curious to what he was listening to while he was writing this issue, just because the final battle, yes, the entire issue is one final battle, but it does look cool. And I, I love the, the, uh, uh, oh my gosh, what is not the onomatopoeias, the, uh, the, well, I guess it is the onomatopoeias, the sound effects that are all over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're like part of the landscape even when when it goes and they are really awesome. You're right. It's they, great. They're awesome. It's funny. I'm I'm going to say and it, one of the, the generic thing I would think that he'd be listening to, but I don't think it would be it would be like a Led Zeppelin immigrant song deal. But I do think you, you have to get a hold of him and ask him because I'm going to say I don't know why I think it might be like a, uh, a Judas Priest or an Iron Maiden. I think that he was listening to us. That that would be my pick. But again, he may end up like now I was listening to Frank Sinatra and throw me all <laughs> off. Uh, but yeah, um, it's weird too because usually I won't read the the endings and the letters and whatever. I actually read because there is a bit with Daniel Warren Johnson talking about, hey, thanks everybody, the series it was fun to do. I really was hoping by the end he's like, and see you when we get In back to this. Two. Yeah, I'm telling you. And one of my main things is too where. You end this, right? It's just a mini series. We had five issues. Like, does this can like, are we going to get this Beta Ray Bill now? Is this going to be the Beta Ray Bill that we get from now on? Because that's a tough sell if you're going to throw them in books because a lot of people won't know who that is then. So, what are we going to do? What are we going to go forward? And I would have liked to have had that other issue, like we said, that he would go to talk to Thor and Odin, and we might start to get that status quo that ends up. You know, pretty much nailing it down. Okay, this is the Beta Ray Bill. He's not always the horse. Maybe he can change. We don't know. Is this like Stormbreaker where he can change back and forth? He just hasn't done. I don't know. And I want to see that, but we don't get it. All we get is him longingly, miserably looking at his, you know, oh, that's what I used to look like type of deal. And uh, 
you could have told me even at the point except Pip references it. And I thought that that might have been something where nobody actually referenced and we think, and Bill is actually still horse-faced Beta Ray Bill, but because of everything he's gone through, he feels like he's more of a complete person. But that Pip seems to pretty much say. Like, I'm telling you, like, we're seeing it through his mind, of the mind that he, oh, I did it, I'm back. But I would have liked to have have him go to Odin and and even go to Sip, even if he doesn't just throw shade, where, you know, discuss what you're going to do going forward with this and how this is going to, what's this going to mean between him and Thor? What are they going to do? And you just, you don't get it. It just ends. So I hope that that means that we'll get something else. Because I'm really afraid me and you are going to be going through books and then all of a sudden, Ray Bill's going to show up in another book, and he's just right back to square one, and we'll be pissed. We'll be upset, thinking, oh, they're not even referencing that. And I hope that's not the case. I hope there's a bigger plan for this. Uh, but yeah, we're done with that. So, you know, but still, like I said, I'm still going to say that this as a whole was a nine out of 10, because I really did 100%. enjoy this. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I'm telling you, if anybody had just listened right now, and they're like, oh, man, I don't want to read it if it doesn't really end that great. Well, first off, we gave it an eight, right? So it's not bad. Uh, but, boy, it's worth it. It is one of the better books that we have read. And like you said, the idea of us having that book that we have fun with, you know, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what the next one would be because, you know, there is a, a number one this week. <laughs> we already talked about Amazing <laughs> Fantasy. That I thought that was going to be it. I'm like. This is the same synergy we had before. This is going to start right as the one ends. This is going to be awesome. And that book confused the crap out of us. We had no idea that was on the Patreon spotlight. And yeah, me and you are are running like chickens without a head uh, reading that one. But maybe maybe that will turn into that, right? Maybe it'll turn in. Remember how at one point at the beginning of Power Pack, we were a little confused about how things were going to go and whatnot and then after oh, that because second of the edition, yeah stuff. because yeah, of the, uh, and, and we're like oh this might and then we fell in love with it and then we fell in love with beta ray bill now maybe it'll be that but first before we get to that down the road we have one more book to do and it is black cat and it's black cat number eight and the thing about this is i have been going through some of it and people if you're playing at home you'll realize this whole infinity you know now it's the Infinity Score, but this whole thing with the Infinity Stones and, and going through the annual stuff like that, I have not talked about the last couple because I thought they were down. They seemed to not really be that connected. And it was the Spider-Man one and then the Thor one that we got last week where supposedly you're going to learn more of the people who the Stones are, are accepting all that. We weren't getting anything. We We weren't really adding enough. And I just, I ended up kind of losing interest with it. It also was doesn't help that nobody else like you hadn't been reading them or from the past deal with this whole infinity stone stuff and then brandon bailed too so i ended up like i'm there by myself and i even lost interest but this hopefully picks things up we're we're starting infinity score number one in this black cat number eight and it's okay it's just again this issue is just so quick the dialogue felt off in my mind the art's good but it's just like this whole deal of like out of nowhere, hey, Felicia's going to end up and she's we're doing what we said we didn't like in the Null stuff in the King of Black, where we like Felicia as, you know, street level. Now you're getting cosmic again with her. And I don't know why they keep wanting to get cosmic with her. But that's deal. But it's written by Jed McKay, art by C.F. Velia, colors by Brian Reber uh, and letters by Farron Delgado. 
Felicia Hardy is the world's greatest thief, known as some of the Black Cat. Recently, she pulled off a string of high-stakes heists backed by her crew, Bruno and Dr. Torch, at the behest of her former mentor and father figure, the Black Fox. When the Fox revealed that his true plan was to sink New York City into an extra-dimensional vault, and even that after, you know, the King and Black, they're, they're really thinking that to get Felicia, you know, big, they have to go bigger. And it seems too big. I, I don't know. But in exchange for immortality, Felicia was forced to betray him to save the city, condemning him to the vault instead. With the New York saved uh, and the Black Fox gone, Felicia needs some time to grieve her loss. But when a shiny new mark comes her way, she won't be able to say no. And, yeah, this is set up. So if you haven't been reading, I'm, and I'll tell everybody, if you haven't been reading any of the Black Cat book, but you know even a little bit. I mean, if you know that Felicia... Is a cat burglar and dresses up as a cat and is called black. That's enough. You can go into this. You can get right on board with us because not a ton happens in this anyway, but it is just pushed for this big heist. And if you do read it and by the end, you're like, I don't understand why a star here, or whatever, we're in the same page with you. She's just seemingly going and trying to steal star because she is, she's the reality stone at this point. Uh, but with that, you end up seeing kind of a setup of this heist. You end up having the idea that Felicia is going to cut a hole through a roof of a warehouse. Dr. Corpse and Bruno are on the scene, and she ends up at one point, though. It, it, it's a weird play. It seems as if when she gets the call or some call, that is what spurred this on. She's drinking her champagne. Whatever's said on that phone, she ends up dropping the champagne. She's either... It's either something really bad that that's why she needs store or just this is such a huge heist. And, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. Uh, but other than that, you're just going to set up this heist that is just a container where she goes down. She goes in. It's kind of a neat deal where she's talking about the idea that whoever is the person behind this container and stuff. We find out it's Nick Fury. But she's talking about, oh, he's. He's technical, but he's off the shelf stuff. It's okay. And she talks about watching the saint and how she sits there and goes through. And it's kind of like that's her life. It's a boring life where she just learns and practices going through security devices while watching TV at night. It's a crazy deal. Um, The one thing, though, I thought because of Nick Fury with the Samuel Jackson deal, when she says, I'm dealing with somebody who has paranoid, you know, tattooed on his hand. I was thinking he could have said paranoid written on his wallet, kind of playing off the Pulp Fiction wallet, but you don't have that. That was just me. But you can go from there because we're almost done. Nothing really happens. I mean, she ends up going to steal this container and Nick Fury's in it, right? Yeah, like, of course, we we see the double barrel shotgun. You know, she has this weird feeling of like, eh, this is a little too easy. Let me double check this. She gets like a, a like a little mirror. She sees the gun. She's able to, you know, trigger the trap without getting hurt. And when she goes inside of this container, boom, Nick Fury is there. And I did tell you this was probably the downside of the issue because there was this back and forth that really didn't need to happen. And you could tell because of the sound that was I honestly thought that it was something with the copy of my book. I saw something kind of written kind of behind Nick Fury. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that's the that's a sound of something. Yeah, what is going sound. on? Oh, that's a helicopter. And it ended up grabbing this container. 
you know, started to pick them up. Nefiri falls, but he didn't actually, he was able to grab on. And it's just kind of like pointless dialogue, <laughs> just going back I and forth. That, I, was, I think you had a page space, a page count you had to do, and you had to get yeah. it because, like, just think of this, where there's Black Cat, she's breaking in. Now we find out at the end that she seems aware, I of guess, what it is. that it's Star. And yes. Star seems to be even like, you know, maybe knocked out, maybe cryogenically frozen for us, whatever it is. Star is in this container, so she knows. So when you get there, you spend a bunch of time, and I think that Jeb McKay, it, it, is it fancy? Because I'm sitting there reading this stuff. Hey, you know what we say about this? It's uh, this place is not a place of honor, huh? What are you talking about, Nick? Oh well, well that's what we're gonna do because we're afraid that if we bury nuclear waste in the future. People won't understand English or the dialect, but if we say it's not a place of honor, they'll realize that this is nothing worth anything that should be left alone. This is not something. And I'm like, boy, this is going on way too long. I mean, <laughs> way and, and, you too know, long. and even if it's only a couple pounds, like, right, really, like, it doesn't feel like something that anybody would be talking about, let alone Nick Fury and Black Cat. And so Black Cat says, well, I guess you can call me a dummy. And let's go with that. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, what was I supposed to put pentagrams and pitchforks on this to tell you? And like, no, no, she's there to steal what's in there. She seemingly knows what's there. She's not just like he's playing it off as if she is there to steal the unstealable without knowing what it is. She seems to know what it is. At least that's how it plays out here. But the dialogue just keeps going and going. The only thing that I like, and I'm telling you, like, that's what Nick Fury says when he comes right in. This isn't a place of honor. She's like, well, what the hell are you talking about? Do you want to elaborate? And it just goes on and on. And when this is a distant memory and this and that and whatever, Nick, she's stealing it now. Just start to try to stop her. What I do like is, but it, even that goes too far as she says, well, you know, don't worry, don't get upset because I'm beating you in a robbing sort of way. I wouldn't be upset if you beat me in a spy sort of way. Then yeah. he says, well, I don't give up. And here we go. Now I'm beating you in a spy sort of way. But now we're getting the helicopter and we're all over. It looks like Nick gets thrown off, but somehow he grabs back on. Also, the idea, and this is just me, and I know it's comic books, that you get this big container thing with a huge magnet on the top and a, a helicopter fly. This thing is going to be tossed around like you don't know. And you just have Blackhead just in there, right? She's just standing yeah. there. Then Nick comes in, and they start fighting. Both of them would be dead, way dead. And she gets <laughs> shot at one point. I mean, she's jumping towards him. He's yelling. They're doing all these things. But nothing is happening. Literally, all this is is that Felicia stole this container and stars in it. That's all you need to know. You don't have to know anything else. And it's way too many pages just to get that. There's yeah, so much. I, I told you. I told you before we started recording that it felt like Jed McKay needed to fill like seven pages, so he just filled it with like obnoxious dialogue because even the lettering makes it look like, of course, they're now in the air. Air is probably gushing through that thing, so they're yelling at each other. And it's just, it's it's a lot going on for something that didn't need this much time. No, you and know? then you end up having Felicia tackle 
into Nick. So they go flying out of the, you know, out of this container. But Felicia, you see, if you look, she's connected to the container anyway. So she is able to pretty much make sure Nick doesn't die at least and ends up getting close to the water down below and throws him off of her in and then goes back up. And then they're just later in their new hideout. You have to have a new hideout because Nick's going to come for you, whatever. Felicia is bandaging up her shot leg. And then, you know, Bruno and Corpse there, they're trying to get this container open. They open it up. Hey, we got it. And like, well, 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 this is it, boys. No turning back now. And they have Star. Um, But what does that mean? What do they want to do? I mean, like I said, she has the reality stone. Is this something as... You know, easy for this book as she wants to make things change with what Black Fox did. Does she want to bring back her dad? You know, you could do a lot with the reality stone with it, but I really don't know the full concept and the full extent of what Felicia wants to get done with this. But again, you open that up and you're like, okay, here we go again. We're going to get very cosmic and you get very big where you are. Legitimately, I mean, people don't seem to get on board with the idea. I think maybe they're done with the Infinity Stones and stuff like that, because even when you had Infinity Watch and the stuff that led to this Infinite Dimension deal or Infinite Destinies, I think it was called, leading into this, people aren't as hyped up for these Infinity Stones. But this is the biggest of the big. I mean, you have Black Cat doing something. Do you know what I noticed, though? What's that? I noticed that there's more containers in that big container well, we'll it's see. not just yeah. star yeah and if they if they do have those and open them up i mean we have three of the people who have the stones so maybe that they have all three of them but you don't yeah. have the complete set yet um but you end up and what's weird too what really threw me off in all those infinite destiny deal at the end you do have a chart with who has them and explains what's going on and this doesn't so i'm wondering what the play is uh but with that, at this point, you know, you pretty much having Felicia, Black Cat, doing something that at one point Thanos was doing, trying to collect the stones. But is she doing that or is this just something she's trying to steal? We don't know yet, so we'll see. But it's big. I mean, it should be really big. But this whole book, you know, I really, really like the first volume of this Jed McKay Black Cat. It gets canceled. It comes back for King and Black. Those issues were okay, but then after that, the whole dimensional deal got rushed. You end up having a god, you know, getting the writ, you know, pretty much owning, you know, Manhattan. And, like, everything got out of whack and too big, and I think that that continues here. But I do love Felicia. I do love Black Cat, so I want to keep reading and enjoying it. I just hope that this issue gets everybody set on the, you know, square one. We get going. Everybody's caught up. We go. And hopefully it gets better because this, to me... So seven, seven out of ten. I didn't hate it, but I just kind of got done and like, well, that's a book, right? I'm like, that's yeah. a start, I guess. And like you said, you didn't really have to read, you know, eighty percent of it, really. I mean, it was just Nick Fury and Felicia talking crap to each other. It didn't really have anything to do with the overall story, so that could have been skipped and and maybe should have. I, I don't know, but they needed some page space and page count. Uh, what would you give it? I would give this a seven as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there just wasn't much of any. The art is great. I absolutely yeah, love, I love the it. art. Yep. Um, I love the play up until the Nick Fury reveal. You know, the whole thing about her getting in here, having to shut off the power everywhere, 
She has to be super quick on, you know, taking out the backup power and everything else. This was, this is all the stuff that we love about Black Cat. But again, it enters into a world that like is a little too big for her in a way. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that she can't go up against. No, I'm not saying that either. Probably done it several times stealing from shield. Right. But when you tease, especially with this cover going into, you know, stuff with the infinity (laughs) stones and everything else, we've talked about, we've talked about this, Uh. her going into the supernatural just doesn't feel right. I don't love it. I, I, and, um, the thing too is after all the stuff, no, and even the Manhattan deal, I loved and and you had it more in that first volume with Jeb McKay. I really like when you just get issues with Bruno and Corpse and her doing a heist and having the camaraderie between the three. I really like it because I mean, there's such a eclectic mix here that I think that especially Doctor Corpse and. I love the play and I love the the camaraderie and that they are family. And after having that black box stuff go down and all that, I I almost needed to have some issue where they get to settle down and actually do something where the three of them, because remember, even then they got duped even more. Corpse and Bruno, they're gems for even staying with Felicia because everything always ends up where they're left more in the dark and things recently. And I just wish you would have had, you know, maybe a two issue or three issue deal. But this book seems now to be just based on events and kind of tying into things instead of being something on its own. And I think that that's hurting it as well. Uh, this just seems big, but maybe it'll maybe it'll work out. Maybe we'll really like it. We'll have to wait to see for the next issue if that happens again. Seven isn't horrible. It's just I. At one point, I was giving this book, you know, before the shutdown and all that, I was giving it nines. I was really, really enjoying it. It was such a fun. And it, it, that was the other thing, too. It had such a, a fun mix of humor and action and things. And that's where, you know, I think of Felicia as snarky and, and sassy and things like that. But she seems to always be caught in something that's a little bit over her head to try to, you know, get through it and stuff. But with all of that, uh, let everybody know where they can find you. Of course, you can always find me at Fanboy Clay on Twitter. Um, if you go into my bio there, you can find the uh, link tree to the links to all of my other shows, including DC Alliance, Batman News Weekly, Comic Book Legion Podcast, Weird Science Marvel Podcast, of course, this one, uh, Weird Science DC Podcast, where I do all of the digital spotlights, and of course, the Ranger Alliance. Yeah. Yeah, so you are on a lot. And just to, to shout out, because it kind of is a cool deal over at DC with the Milestone stuff, but you're planning on doing a bunch of that, and that actually is available like day one on the app, if you have the app. That app was supposed to be worldwide, right? By now, and it never seemed to be. So I, I don't know what's going on with that. But if you're interested in the Milestone stuff, that's the stuff that you'll be doing uh, a bit of. So that is awesome. And yeah, thanks for joining me, Clay. And we're going to go off. Uh, Brandon, maybe. Brandon, is, he told me his wife came back from Pennsylvania and opened the door and their cat ran out and they were trying to find the cat. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea what they're doing up there in Buffalo, but that's what he told me earlier. So we might have me and Brandon talking the new Symbiote Spider-Man series next or just me going through it we will see in about two seconds all right we're going to continue on and i did warn you earlier that it is getting late slash early 
it's all perspective uh and that it might get a little goofy by the end we'll see we'll see i am pretty tired earlier in the day i ended up again drinking a lot of death wish coffee but that was a while ago and it really like i i said earlier when i was talking with clay about that sort of thing sometimes it does make me tired and right now i'm kind of crashing I am tired, but we're going to go with this because that's, boom goes that's the, the fun of it, isn't it? Boom goes the dynamite. We're going to start with Black Widow number nine, written by Kelly Thompson, pencils by Elena Casagrande and Raphael de la Tour, inks by Elisabetta D'Amico and Raphael de la Tour, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by VCs Corey Petit, and both of them said, hey, Raphael de la Tour, you stay home when we color and letter this thing. We don't need you to do everything here. I mean, and steal all the limelight. Now, before we go into this, let me give you a shout out to all of the people involved and the idea they ended up winning an Eisner for Best New Series for this book, and that's pretty darn awesome. Better than winning a Harvey. A Harvey Award sounds like it's not as sexy. It, the Harvey sounds like it'd be like, some old guy, like an uncle with a cigar sitting on like the couch with a wife beater on yelling at you. That's the Harvey. Who wants that? I don't want to. Here is the recap. Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. the Black Widow, spent months believing she was an architect in San Francisco with a beautiful husband and a perfect baby boy, her actual genetic son. When the dream dissolved, Natasha sent James and Stevie far away. Where, where not even she could find them again. They are alive. They are safe, but gone forever. I wonder if they are. I wonder if they are. You keep mentioning it in the recap. And by this point, I think that I know that they keep popping up. You keep having Natasha remember them. But is that enough to always have to have in the recap just to remind you they're gone forever? Maybe as a wink wink because they're not. I don't know. I want to see them again. I like James and Stevie. I really do. But we'll see. Natasha invited Elena Abelova. The White Widow to stay and help with a mysterious new villain in San Francisco named Apogee, who has already amassed a great following of superpowered people called the Olio. It sounds like a really bad cookie, like a disgusting cookie that you don't. Olio. Hey, you want some Olios? I'm like, no. Like, what is that, a knockoff Oreo? Because it doesn't sound good. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's like a raisin oatmeal. I'm like, well, really? Then get out of my face. Including a mysterious young girl named Lucy. With uncontrollable electric powers She's electric Wookie, wookie, wookie With Anya Corazon's help The team was able to infiltrate Apogee's hideout But before And that's that's Spider Girl But before they could escape Yelena was captured and electrocuted by one of Apogee's superpowered goons And that's where we start out You seemingly there having Yelena dead She is just laying there dead as a bunch of Apogee's guys, gals go and grab onto Black Widow and try to subdue her. She does end up getting stabbed in the gut with a knife. And she says, well, I, I don't have to worry too much about this because the suit seals will deal with this later. And it's a weird play because you already have Yelena pretty much down and out dead. I don't know that you needed to add the deal with Black Widow getting stabbed because it kind of does get pushed aside. It does show that, you know, the, the suit can help her take damage. It does seal up and whatnot. Maybe that's the full play because by the end, it doesn't really play out too much. Now, she has her bracers or Black Widow bracers that she ends up able to shoot like a laser deal to knock all of these guys and gals out so that she can go and try to save Elena. But before she does get to her, Lucy has shown up. Lucy, 
one of the oleo that they ended up helping. And she has the electric powers, as they said in the recap. And she ends up like, you know, clear, boom, and does the defib right there on Yelena, who wakes up almost like Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. Oh, my God, gasp. And it's one of those things that Natasha's pissed at Lucy because she wasn't supposed to come. She wasn't supposed to do this. She wasn't supposed to help out because of the danger involved. But she did just save Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. I mean, Yelena. And you end up where she's like, okay, kind of pissed at you, but thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, By the way, we got to get out of here. The bad guys and gals around us, they're waking up now, and they're going to attack, and you guys are going to die. I mean, Yelena is not in any shape to fight right now. And Lucy, though she has her electrical powers, remember, if she uses them too much, she might turn into a puddle of goo. Like the guy back at the web, their hideout, who Lucy calls Stan, because she has no idea what his name is. He is just a pile of goo right now, a puddle of goo. I don't know if you get on a pile of goo, but you end up, Natasha ends up giving Yelena and Lucy the parachute. One parachute, here you go. You guys jump out the window here. They're in that whole penthouse deal, the hideout of Apogee. So you jump out. I'll figure out a way to get out of here. So like, okay, are you sure? Yes, get out of here. I will meet up with you. And they do jump out. They have the parachute goes. And there's some nice little talk between Lucy and Yelena. Like, I hope you didn't eat a big lunch. And she's like, well, I didn't really eat any lunch. And I'm like, that's sad. You should have an oleo cookie. They're delicious, I say. And as they're going down, Kendup Natasha just jumps out of the window. No parachute. and Just zings by them. Heading towards the ground and you end up Lucy like, oh, my God, what's going on? Is she going to be able to do that? She doesn't have a parachute. Oh, my God. Yelena just like, ah, she's always doing that. She's always doing things like that. That's what makes her so cool. And when they do land, then you end up having Natasha just pull up in her car, sports car, like, "Mm, hey, anybody want to ride? And Lucy's just like, how is this happening? And it's a fun little play. Yes, it's off panel. We don't ever see how Natasha lands, gets the car, gets there in time. But that's the coolness of it. That's the badass bit of it where they get in and like, hey, we're going to get out of here. Let's go back to the hideout, the web. And they do. They peel out, get back to the web where you have Anya. Spider-Girl sitting there waiting, basically says, hey, you know, I blew my cover, but I ended up getting... Some of the serum. I got a sample of the serum, and that's the serum that Apogee is using to give to his followers to get powers. Again, remember, these powers are burning out and making them into goo. So the power is not a great thing. And Anya was able to find this serum. So they're going to be able to check it out, maybe find a cure, and maybe stop that. And to do that, because they're not exactly scientists. And they're not rocket surgeons here. Well, they have a rocket surgeon because remember, they ended up grabbing Craig from Apogee. He is the scientist who, and a young scientist who has been doing some of the work for Apogee. And you can tell right away, he's a good guy. He just ended up getting caught up in the wrong thing. And they're going to go with Lucy again, who got caught up in the wrong thing with Apogee as well. They're going to have some little downtime with each other and talk about that and you see that both of them mean well or want to at least do the right thing now to make amends for the bad things and to pretty much take down apogee and save more of these kids and other people who are being you know convinced by 
apogee that they need to get powers. But they even say, and and you end up having Natasha spell it out pretty much to Yelena, because Yelena wants to go in guns ablaze and kill everybody. And with this whole deal of apogee and his oleo, all of these superpower deals, yeah, some of them are bad. Some of them want superpowers for bad reasons. Some of them... You know, may not even want superpowers. They just want to get involved. It's a cult type thing. And, and you know, with a cult, you can have good, bad, and different. It's just, you know, why people would want to go. And sometimes it's a sad reason why they want to go and things. So you end up, they want to save everyone. Even if the one, you know, there's some people don't deserve to be saved. They don't want to beat up everybody. But some of them do deserve to be beat up. It's that whole play as they go. But, yeah, they end up giving Craig the lab while they end up having Yelena get nursed to health and they're going to go fight and yeah they're going to go off and it's going to be natasha yelena and anya where they're going to go and pretty much we have to stop apogee because with all of this with them already making their presence known to apogee he is now you know changing the schedule something that may have been next month they're doing it now he is going to have a huge you know, congregation come to him. Everybody's going to get the serum. Everybody's going to get powers. And unfortunately, everybody might die. They have to stop that. So everything is on the clock. Everything has to be done quick. You have Craig. He stays up all night. He wants to figure this out. You end up having Lucy and him again talking about the thing. They did fall under, you know, pretty much the spell of Apogee themselves. So they understand how intriguing it can be and how, you know, powerful it is to get powers. And Craig says he got involved, never took the serum or anything. Uh, he got involved because just tons of money. And again, you can look at that as being something really bad, but people like the tons of money. And sometimes the tons of money is too much to, to say no, but he realizes now that's the bad thing. So he is working extra hard to get you know, uh, this serum, work it out, try to get an antidote, things like that. But with all of that, too, you end up having Lucy, who continues to be really disturbed by the guy who ended up going into goo. And it does tie into her. Again, she has powers. She's not supposed to use them. She just did to save Elena. But it's, you know, you get to the point where she even talks to Craig. It's almost like, you know, should you burn out or fade away type of deal or if you have powers and eventually they will kill you, shouldn't you try to make amends and use them in a good way? Use them in a way that at least redeems you before you're dead. Now, you would hope that Craig's going to figure out a way that this won't happen. And in a kind of a feels moment, you do end up having Lucy say to Craig, hey, this guy who was there. And that's the thing. When they were trying to convince Craig to help, you ended up having Natasha grab Craig and say, here's why we need you to help. And they go into the room. Where this guy who, again, Lucy called Stan, where he ended up just goo. And you end up having Craig just throw up because it's so disgusting. And now that gets him inspired to help. But in the feels moment, you have Lucy like, hey, uh, I know that we are both in with Apogee and stuff like that. Is there any way you know what that guy's name really was? You know, the guy that went to go and he doesn't. But he's like, I've been calling him Stan, so I, I guess I'll keep doing that. Well, you end up as that's all going on. Really good, though. I like the dialogue between them. And in an issue that starts off with some cool fight scenes, you do have that, you know, and it's the pacing of the book. I'm not going to say the pacing's off because I like it where you do have those downtimes. You get some feels. You get it where Yelena, Natasha, and Anya, they are getting ready to go and whatnot. So we do see that other side in a cool way where we do see two kids that were under, I said, under the spell of Apogee. So we know that there are good people that just fell into 
that trap and whatnot. But you end up having Elaine and Natasha, and on you go to you know this warehouse. Or it's not even a warehouse; it's a mansion. The mansion that Apogee has set up, and he's going to have pretty much, and it's a very religious feeling deal, a very cult esque deal where he is there. Okay. My children, you are the chosen one. Now, I'm going to give you the serum. We're all going to get it. You're going to get powers. It's going to be great. And you end up having our three gals bust in. And it's pretty cool, too, because with that, you do have Natasha say to Elena, listen, I know that these guys, they, they weren't very good to us, right? They ended up killing you. They stabbed me. You know, I had all these things. But you can't kill them. You have to just, you know, non-lethal methods, please. And even then. Some of these people don't even deserve to get a punch in the face, whatnot. I like Elaine. It's like, all right, yeah, I agreed. I agree. She ain't agreeing. At least she's not going to kill him. You don't make some people hurt because when she goes in, again, it's so funny because Natasha said some of these people weren't involved. Some of these people weren't around. So when they go in and start going, you know, you end up on your she shooting webs. You have the whole gauntlet deal with. Black Widow comes down and they're kicking and punching and Yelena comes down kicking and punching as well. But she goes and looks specifically for the people that she knows were involved in killing her. She's like, yep, you tried to kill me. Boom, hits the one. Yep, you did too. And she's just going to town on these guys. It's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny way of having her agree and then just go ham. But she goes on. She goes ham on the right people. But the whole thing ends then because Apogee freaks out and you have he has his mask on, almost like a Mysterio type mask. He's got, you know, a hoodie and stuff. And Natasha's like, Oh, I heard something pop. It sounded like a cyanide capsule. Now, in the spy business, one of my favorite tropes of any spy movie is when somebody gets found out, you know, 99.999% it's the bad guys. And when they're found out, they kind of move that tooth and then pop the cyanide. And all of a sudden, the foam comes out of their mouth. I love it. It's it's crazy, but I love it. And she would know this because, again, she's probably had that happen when she goes and gets a bunch of guys. She hears that and says, wait a minute, it can't be. Well, it isn't. What it is is that he has popped the capsule seemingly to give himself some of those powers and ends up hulking up and then having burning fists. So, you know, that ups the ante. That ends up being pretty good. Now, with that, is this the regular stuff that he's been giving his followers, the Oleo? Because if it is, there's a chance he will burn up and become goo. And that may be just how it ends, where he just goes all out. I hope not, because I want to see what else is involved. And I want to see something with that. But I could see, because this, I believe, is the penultimate issue of this arc. I could see him just burning up and, and then the rest. I mean, if you end up seeing this... You know, supreme leader. Oh my God, Apogee, you're the. Oh my God, he's a puddle of goo. That's what this stuff does. I'm out of here. Give me them cookies. I'm out of here. And so maybe that will be the case. But it ends. It ends. It says next showdown. It's good. It, it is good. And again, this is one of those books that by now, in you know issue number nine, you should get the pacing. You should get. You know what it's all about. You get a couple big fight scenes. You get some humor thrown in. Kelly Thompson, she's a funny lady, and throw some humor. But there's also a bit of feels and stuff. And again, it won an Eisner. I can't say that. You know, hey everybody, this book. You know, it won an Eisner. It's good, and I like this issue. And I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten because the art's incredible. And like I said, I just have a kick uh, with that. Though, I still want Stevie and James back. I want them back somehow, please. 
I don't know the Kelly Thompson. Sometimes I, I do end up sending, you know, an at to her for the podcast when we do talk about Black Widow because I am a fan. I'm a fan of hers as well. I don't know if she ever listens, but if she does, you know, a little shout out to her. A little shout out. And yeah, bring back Stevie and James. We need them back at least once. Give Natasha one last time uh, to say goodbye and then. Then they go off forever until I want them back again. I'm very selfish with my wants and needs here. So with that, I, I do hope that we see them again, though. Maybe we won't. But, yeah, 8 out of 10. I really like it. Uh, can't wait to see what exactly happens with the old Apogee. And, again, you also have Craig working on that serum and stuff like that. So that obviously will have something to play as well. But I hope that Lucy doesn't die. I hope that the serum is able to help her. And, you know, we can continue And maybe even she could stay with Natasha and Yelena But we'll see we'll, We will see And I like Spider-Girl in here as well That's pretty cool But I'm going to go on to the next book Which is a book that I've loved for a, a long time Pretty much at the beginning of Fresh Start Fresh Start And that is Daredevil All right And this is Daredevil number 32 Written by Chip Zdarsky Pencils by Mike Hawthorne Inks by Adriano Di Bendetto Colors by Marcelo Menez and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Daredevil is incarcerated. Serving time as his costume alter ego, Matt Murdock seems to have found a way to shorten his prison term by becoming an FBI informant. They say that he said that he doesn't want to use that to shorten his prison term, but he's also going to end up shortening his life, if you know what I'm saying. Meanwhile, Hell's Kitchen still needs a defender, and Electra has taken the Daredevil mantle in Matt's steed. She has gained an unlikely ally, a young orphan named Alice, but made even more enemies, including the city's criminal element and Mayor Wilson Fisk. Fisk, too, has designs all his own, and in executing them has lost track of one of the city's most dangerous serial killers, Bullseye. And I laugh because, yeah, he ended up like, oh, man, well, where'd that Bullseye go? You know, we were dealing with him and, you know, giving him a little bit of, Meta powers and stuff like that Doing experiments on him Ravencroft all. Where did he go? Oh my god I think we found him He's killing everybody in New York City And remains on the loose Now with this You end up having The whole city on the lockdown Please don't go outside I mean this is a guy who can use anything And turn it into a weapon And he's got killing on his mind He's going to kill whoever, wherever he comes across. So just stay inside. Draw the curtains. You know, don't peek out. Don't do on the door dash. If somebody, you know, knocks on the door and says that they are a candy gram, do not answer. You didn't order a candy gram. That's the thing. If you didn't order that, then you won't think that you're getting it. Stay inside is what they're saying. While that's going on, you have a cool deal. And you have a cool deal where Chip Zdarsky gives you a hint that everybody's on the case where, I don't know where you just see Johnny Storm flying by. Way up in the sky just flies by. It's not even mentioned as anything or whatnot. And I actually thought, well, is this weird? Like Now, does Bullseye have like flame on powers? But it, it does seem to be Johnny. As you end up having Electra going through the town trying to figure out she even sees a dead guy just laying there in the street. I mean, it's bad. It's bad news brown here. And you end up where, you know, people are freaking out. They're staying in. But one person wants to get out is Typhoid Mary, who starts getting her clothes on. While Fisk is saying, you know, don't leave. You can't leave. I don't want you to go. Don't go. And she's like, no, no, no. You know, both sides out there. 
kind of your fault but with that too you're in danger so i'm just gonna take it i'm gonna nip it in the butt i'm gonna go right out i'm gonna take him out and it's a really good moment because you can tell how much throughout this fist cares for mary and i think mary understands that as well but mary does what mary does and she says to fist listen if you need me here if you want me here then ask me ask me if i want to stay you know Ask me to stay and say, please stay. I really want you to don't say you're not going anywhere. I mean, that's the kingpin way. You're not going anywhere. I'm going to tell you to stay and you're going to listen to me. And she says, no, no, no. Ask. And he does say, and it, it throws him off a bit. It's not his normal M.O. So he's a little nervous about it. And he's like, uh, uh, will you stay with me, please? Uh, bullseyes on the loose uh, is my fault. And I couldn't bear that if he and she stops him. I mean, I, I like it. She's like, all right, I don't need sad sack Wilson Fisk here, but yeah, I'll stay. And she says, if he comes here after you, like, you know, God help him because I will destroy him. Well, you go back to Electra who's going around. She's looking for Bullseye. She's trying to take Bullseye down. Now, remember, and, it, it, and I say remember, it's a good thing. Chip Zdarsky, without giving you, you know, an editor's note, like a Nick Spencer or something like that, he actually has... Electra say oh my god Bullseye's killing a lot of people he has killed a lot of people In the past in fact he killed me And that's the big thing yeah Bullseye Killed Electra that was huge So she is looking at this as like No more also I'm Gonna get revenge I'm gonna be able to do this I'm gonna take him down And she runs into Spider-Man She actually runs into Spider-Man And at first Electra doesn't know Are we gonna fight how, how is this gonna play out and Peter does say, oh, it is you, right, Electra? I, I kind of figure it is. Yeah, yeah, it's it's me. It's not a secret. Here I am. Look at me. And he ends up saying, like, you did good in that Null stuff. I mean, I saw you fighting. I saw you helping out. And I can tell the way you're doing things, you are trying to take the place of Matt helping out while he's in jail. And I got to give you kudos. You know, we all kind of see this. We're all given. But. You kind of are going after Bullseye now We're all going after Bullseye But what are you going to do when you find him? What are you going to do to Bullseye? Because, you know, Peter knows what's up with Electra, And they can't allow Electra to just go and murder Bullseye Though, I mean, if it was me, I'd be like, you know, just I'll look the other way You tell me when he shows up And I'll look the other way, you kill him And then I'll look and go, oh my god, what happened? Did he fall? Wink, wink but yeah, it's a cool deal. But again, remember, like part of all of this does go. And if you, if you want to throw shade at Peter, he has been the guy in this book that keeps showing up to throw shade at everybody who's doing stuff except him. Like everybody else, like, hey, Daredevil, no more. You don't do anything or we'll come back. Now he's doing the same with Electra. But I did like it. I like the, you know, the feel that everybody would be involved. If you end up shutting down New York City, because Bullseye's running rampant, you can't even play the game that Spider-Man's not. I mean, you could even say in this that there should be a lot more heroes out and about and doing things, but at least Chip Starsky does throw them in to make it feel right. Well, we go off to Matt in jail. Now, remember, he ended up beating the crap out of all the guards around the warden, pretty much smacked the warden around a little too, threw him into the wall. Uh, and said, I'm not afraid of you anymore. Like, I, I'm daredevil, bitch. That's what I am. And you, you ain't going to stop me. And he ended up getting thrown into solitary, which he says he knew. And this has been the whole step here of 
after getting poisoned, after almost dying, it seems like Matt, that inspired him like, no more. I'm not going to fool around. You know, I'm here. I want to serve my term. In the meantime, the FBI has told him, listen, you could be an informant, get out early because the warden is doing some wacky stuff. People are dying in the prisons. He's using the whole system as his own, you know, slave labor pretty much. But there's even more going on, which we'll see here where you do have this lab underneath. They're doing experiments, things, everything kind of ties together. Now, Matt's in solitary, which is right under the warden's office. So he's able to hear. I mean, he's sitting there meditating, but, you know, he has very good hearing. And he hears some things. He hears a lot of incriminating things. He hears what the warden's doing and realizes the warden is freaking out, is going to up the ante. He is going to, you know, step up. It's almost like I said in The Black Widow, where Apogee, because things were going down, Apogee decides, hey, my plan now comes now. We're going to do it now. Let's go. That's kind of what the warden's doing. And, and with that, he's not being as careful, things like, but Matt hears things and Matt realizes that the warden now is sending guards down to kill him. This is not playing around anymore. They're going to go down and they are going to kill Daredevil. He gets ready. I mean, when he's meditating, who wants to meditate with a half mask on? Not me. It's not how I meditate. So he had taken off. He puts the mask back on, gets in a fighting stance, and ends up with this radar deal. He can sense where they are and what's going on, guys, with weapons drawn. They're coming in to kill him. And as we do in this book, Chip Chip Zdarsky does do a lot of swipes. He's like George Lucasing this. We're swiping all over the place. And we swipe then. Again, the streets are bare. Everybody's hiding inside. Bullseye's out with a few days to kill, as they say. And you get Mike Murdoch, who's impersonating Matt, dealing with this guy, Butch, who is the illegitimate son of Wilson Fisk and has eyes on being the crime boss, pretty much going to replace Izzy, who Kingpin put in as the new Kingpin. He ends up walking down the street while Matt is there scoping things out. Well, Mike, as Matt, scoping things out and sees he sees Hammerhead. Hey, Hammerhead's down there. And they're like, okay, well, here he is. So Mike ends up calling butch butch goes and you get this back and forth here and and it's a pretty cool back and forth where you know butch he's pretty much you know showing that he has the muscle he's the young gun he's gonna do this and and he really at one point hammerhead comes flying at him and he dodges him and Hammerhead just smashes into this van right but that's hammerhead stuff that's stuff that you end up you know figuring that that would happen but you end up having Butch go so far over the top that Mike even sees it. And he's like aghast. Like, what have I gotten into? Because when Hammerhead finally goes down and is laying there after like one of those, like Melissa McCarthy in the identity thief where I'm going to punch you in your throat. Right. Jason Bateman gets the throat punch. And that movie was awful. It was awful. I hated that movie. But, you know, Hammerhead goes down. He can't breathe. And it's funny because Butch pretty much says, I know you're used to fighting all these superheroes in their pajamas, and they kind of go and punch you in your hard head. I'm not the, I might be dumb, but I'm no dummy. So he goes for the throat, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, he gets it. Now, with that hammerhead's down, he's trying to breathe. And then out of nowhere, Butch pretty much looks like he rips one of hammerhead's eyes out, or at least just shoves his hand so far in his socket and destroys it. His hand is covered in blood you know you end up oh my god you jerk ah and you see mike murdoch 
he's like i said looking aghast like oh my god what did i get into here this guy's insane uh which is funny because i guess by the end I just thought Mike was just bad to the bone anyway. Him and Butch, kind of two peas in the pod. They're going to go off. Let's see what happens. But this almost gives you that idea that Mike might end up being more of a sympathetic character than we under, you know, than we're led to believe or whatnot. Maybe he will help, you know, get all this out of the way before Matt comes back or even with Matt when he does get out of jail. But we go back to Electra, who is still. You know, thinking about Bullseye. Bullseye's out just killing, just killing people after she says his killing spree might be in triple digits soon. She goes back to her apartment and you end up having Alice there, the little girl that she was helping, who stormed out, you know, last issue. And like Alice, and like, yeah, I'm sorry I ran out the other day, but I'm back. I appreciate that you're helping me. You know, I mean, the help you're giving me is really messed up. But it is the kind of it's your sort of help. So I realized that you really are trying to help. It's just wacko. But I know because, you know, I have some wacko things that I do or whatnot. But maybe, you know, we kind of belong with each other the way this is. And maybe we can make this work. Maybe it's going on because even Electra, who can't even sit there, she seems ha- Alice like, oh, hey, sorry, I ran out. I appreciate you trying to help me in your own twisted way. Uh, but it isn't. As simple as, and then Electra goes, I know you're weak. She's like, well, well, yeah, but that's not it. I know, you know, in your own way. <laughs> it's just funny. Electra, she's so just not subtle. Everything is right there. And that's what's great about her because her trying to do the right thing to, you know, em- emulate Matt and to make sure that Hell's Kitchen remains safe in a Matt Murdock way, that is tough for her. It is so tough for her to try to do that. And seeing her do it is so great. And I, I do like Alice there with her because that is another thing that grounds her. You're not going to be able to ground Electra too much, but it does a little. And with that, you have Alice trying to figure out, like, there's something weird, though. I know you're going out and about trying to get bullseye, but there's weird because I was looking into these killings and all these shootings and it doesn't seem like there's any possible way that he could get from one place to the next where you have these multiple shootings. You know, he does this on 8th and Chu, and then he's at, you know, 9th and, and Washington. The ne- There's no way anybody could walk that way. You can't be driving around because there's nobody on the streets that's too out in the open. Nobody's seen a car or anything going around. How could this be? And Electra freaks out. Because there's another shooting at that point. Now, what Electra thinks, because Electra thinks everything is kind of going back at her, and it does seem as Bullseye's just out and about just doing mayhem. I mean, there is, you know, a, a madness to his method, maybe, but it's not exactly going against Electra. But she thinks that this has to be against her. It's Bullseye, the guy who killed her. And now you see, she thinks it's the hand. And the hand does have some magic teleportation. teleportation 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 magic and she thinks that the hand is definitely involved with bullseye to allow this and then if that's the case that means he is there to get her she freaks out she goes off we go back to matt in the prison and see these guards attack matt and matt just takes care of him i mean he's daredevil and he is yelling at these guys about this as you know they're ending up getting the crap kicked out of them, whatever. And you even have Matt say, what did he tell you uh, that I'm just a man, that it would be easy? 
don't you know the truth? I'm Daredevil. I destroy supervillains, and you're just regular villains. You guys aren't going to stop me. There is no way that you're going to kill me. No, he's not going to kill them. He ends up tying them up. He has a gun right up to this one guy. This one guy's trying to load his gun. It's jammed. He's trying to... And you end up there, boom, boom, grabs it and has it right in this guy's face. And he's, that's when he says, I destroy supervillains and you're just regular villains. But he's not going to kill anybody. But now he has a gun. He has a, you know, a baton from the one guy. And he says, Warden snaps sooner than I expect. It means he's nervous. So let's go see what he's nervous about. Well, we go off then. And, and the big things happening here are Electra does find Bullseye. Goes, there's the shooting, finds him. Okay, I'm going to get him. She attacks him. He's talking crap, laughing. I mean, he is one of the worst. The worst. He's insane. And now they've upped the ante. Whatever the hell happened with Fisk, what he had done to Bullseye, you know, this has caused Bullseye to be even worse. Well, Electra, again, remember, what's going to happen? Who is going to, you know, break? Is, you know, is Electra going to kill Bullseye like Spider-Man was afraid of? Or... Will Bullseye take advantage of maybe Electra pulling back and kill her as this goes on? We find out a crazy thing by the end, but as that's going on, you do have Matt go in the basement of this prison and find out they're doing some crazy experiments. You know, does this tie into Bullseye? I would guess. And with these experiments, there is some stats, some data, stuff that would take down the warden. But, you know, this is big stuff. And Matt kind of gets down there, takes out guards that aren't waiting, uh, you know, don't think he's coming down. But then there's these scientists, and they're trying quickly to purge the data, things like that. Uh, but Matt stops them. But the stop ends up causing a problem because, you know, and it's it's kind of the technical deal of like, oh, my God, the exhaust system, it's backed up, and it, it blows up. And, you know, you're left to think, what happened? I mean, who's hurt? Who's dead? What's going on here as this prison basement blows up uh, right in Matt's face? Now, with Electra, which is the big cliffhanger, though, is she is face to face with Bullseye trying to take him down. And then we see that, yeah, there's multiple Bullseyes as one of them ends up stabbing her right in the back with a knife. And the others are laughing. There's one behind them on top of the building. There's one next door. I mean, there's a bunch. It's multiple, man. Jamie Madrock's bullseye here. You know, whatever it is, he seems to be able to multiply. He's Bay-Bay's kids, right? And all that going down, that's huge. I mean, bullseye by himself is just awful. But multiple bullseyes and one who's now stabbed Electra. Now, with that, you would hope, hope that, you know, we got Johnny Storm there at the beginning. We ended up having Spidey. You would hope that there's more heroes out and about, and they end up able to save Electra because she's stabbed. I mean, I think Electra is great and kick butt and all that, but there's at least three bullseyes right there with the one that has a gun, and he's on a you know upper building. He has a clear shot. Or the other one has the knife right in her back. Like, there's troubles happening here, so I hope that she is able to be saved by somebody i would think that she'll get out of this that's just a, an inkling you know that i have but hopefully that'll be the case now with that a lot goes on and you do have a lot of swipes like i said it, it's one of those books sometimes it's hard to talk about because of the idea of it jumping around and i hope that you were able to follow me as i talk about it because sometimes it does get pretty hectic of the jumps around it was pretty straightforward overall but a lot of the stuff like fisk and typhoid mary or even Alice and Electra. So a lot of setup, a lot of 
you know, talk about what's going on and, hey, I don't want you to hurt, but it's nice enough. The Matt stuff and the Electra stuff, obviously, they're big things, but kind of just want Matt to get out of prison. That's one of the things, like, you can only go so far, and when you have to have what appears to be like a metal lab under the prison, whatever they're doing, and then it blows up, like, it, it feels like you're already starting to stretch some things to make the prison stuff more viable, or at least more exciting than probably it would be. You know, a lot of times with the prison deal, you'd end up somebody's got a shank. They're looking for street flavors of ramen. They're pumping iron in the in the yard, maybe. I don't know. But you end up with this where, okay, well, he'll get in the basement things explode because that it, it almost feels like, okay, let's just get him out of prison. and Let's get him out and maybe get with, you know, Electra. Because remember, one of the things that she ended up wanting to keep going before when Matt went to prison, one of the things that I think she's trying to do the right thing for him is because she needs him to team up against the hand with that prophecy that one of them will die and it might be Matt, things like that. So I, I do want to get to that. I, I hope that we don't stay Matt in prison for you know too much longer. Um, but he keeps saying he wants to, you know, play out his term and stuff like that, but we'll see. You know, things go wrong, things go bad, and you kind of change you know, change your mind on those things. But overall, I'm still going to be an 8 out of 10, just like The Black Widow earlier. Uh, I have loved this book. This is a book that at one point I claimed that I was going to marry. I loved it so much. My wife didn't like hearing that, but hey, she she can deal with it. You know, <laughs> that's what love is what love is. I mean, you can't really a lot of times you can't tell, you know, love to just go away. Right. But it has been a little bit of a lull now. I think that the honeymoon's over here, and I'm looking like maybe I made a big mistake here. Maybe I should call my wife back. But it's one of those, it's still really good, but I kind of need Matt out of jail. And so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But the, my coffin's art's really good as well. And, I mean, if you want a, a cliffhanger that's pretty crazy, you got a bunch of bullseyes, and one of them stabbing Electra in the back, that's pretty crazy. Matt might be dead in an explosion, you know, all these things going down. but. Yeah, 8 out of 10, and that is it. So with that, I still end up giving my book of the week to Beta Ray Bill number 5. Even though I was a little down, I thought some things were left on the table that I really wanted to see, you know, give me the feels in the final issue. Still one of the better miniseries I've read in a while and also one of the better books this week. So I'm going to give that my book of the week. And with that, let me tell you that we will be having our Star Wars episode Later on, that comes out on Sunday night on the regular feed. It comes out early access on the Patreon if you get involved with that. We'll be doing that. And then I do believe, because I believe Brian ended up uh, sending in an email and he wanted them X-Men things back. I think I will end up trying. Now, it's not going to be it's it's going to be just when there's a book that I like and whatever. But I think next week on uh, probably Tuesday, we will probably end up having. The old uh, Wolverine Wolverine came out this past week I read it, I was going to put it on this podcast But this podcast is already getting a little too long So we'll bring back the X-Men show As we go forward It might not be an official Official show, it'll be Hey, I like that book, so we'll throw it in there A little bit, but I should be following A couple of the books Uh, Not everyone Some of those I'm really not down with But we'll do what we can We'll get used to the whole deal And get used to the the flow of things but as i go remember to go to twitter follow us on twitter at 
WS Marvel Comics. If you follow us, we have a hundred percent follow back policy. I think that's nice to do. And if you're inspired to follow me, I'd like to follow you as well and see what you're up to. Also, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science. Everything, the links will be in the show notes as well, where you can get a ton of things, including next month, August, we are going to have our book of the month be a Marvel book. And right now, there is the poll that is up on there, and it's a public poll. Anybody can end up voting. If you have, you know, any sort of Patreon, you just go and you can vote on it. And it's between, I'll just let you know, what is up for grabs and what we might be talking about in August. One of the things, every month we have a different book of the month. And in July we had DC, we did Kingdom Come. And now for August, we put up some of the Marvel stuff. We have Captain America, Volume 1 from 2004, that's Winter Soldier. We have Infinity, Gauntlet, Marvel Zombies, Squadron Supreme, Death of a Universe, and New X-Men Volume 1, E is for Extinction, the Grant Morrison deal from 2001. They're all up for grabs right now. The Infinity Gauntlet is winning. So by the time August comes, we will end up, and it's me and my man Stork, we're going to end up talking about one of those books. Like I said, right now, Infinity Gauntlet's winning, but there's a lot of time to sway that vote, vote early and often, as they say. But some of the other Marvel stuff, just real quick, that we uh, end up doing. Me and my man Stork also did the Marvel Comics Back Issues podcast just this past week and did Journey in the Mystery number 85, the first Silver Age appearance of Loki, plus Asgard, the Bifrost Bridge, all of those things going on in that. That was a, a big Marvel thing. And also... I have been doing my Marvel Comics character of the month episode for July was West Coast Avengers. And I'm going to end up going through the first four issues of their first miniseries that introduced them. So there, there's some Marvel stuff over there, a lot of other things as well. And then once August hits, we'll have another poll and vote for the August Marvel character of the month. And do all this stuff. We do a ton of stuff. You just have to go check it out. Like I said, it is at patreon.com slash weird science. But thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for everything. You know, I end up where when we do the podcast and we throw them out there, a lot of times we don't, you know, we don't get a ton of mail. But if you want to mail, I'll throw that out as well. It is weird science marvel comics at gmail.com. But a lot of times you're doing this in kind of a vacuum. And I see the stats. I see that a lot of people listen to the show. But you know, it, it kind of feels lonely sometimes, but at least, you know, I see people are listening, people enjoying. But when people end up talking about the show or saying, hey, I really enjoyed that show on Twitter, then it makes my day. It really does. I'm not just saying that just to get people to praise me, though I love that, too. But it just it does. It makes my day. It really does to know that people are enjoying stuff that we do and stuff like that. So thanks, everybody, from the bottom of my heart. And I will talk to you. Later.